This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Today we're going to discuss how to live in the miraculous. That's right, living in the miraculous. If, I, if the camera's blocking anyone behind me, just please move your seat so I can see you better. It's blocking you in the way back. Uh, way back. My friend who loves the movie Groundhog's Day said, switch seats, sit closer to your friend. So, okay, here we go. So living in the miraculous, first and foremost, I mean, just the most simple way to live in the miraculous, most simple way to describe it, not the most simple way to do it, but it, it's not that hard, and is to just simply move your body, move your heart, move your mind, move your life from the world of commitment from the world of decision to the world of commitment. That, that's, that enough will put you in the miraculous because God favors committed people. So you got to just get all your decisions into the commitment mode and then you get God's favor. Like God just favors committed people simply. That's, that's, where, that's where it's at. You want wind in your sails. You want what's called LSD, which stands for large siata deshmaya, which means siata uh, deshmaya means divine assistance. You want large divine assistance in your life? Get committed to something. Commit to something. And when you commit to something, you will see that God just literally shines his light into that situation and it just lubricates everything and things just start to work and you get to live in this amazing world which is called comes from the commitment world which is called Olam I'll do it in English how do you spell Olam in English? Olam Ha-Hele which is a Kabbalistic uh, teaching about the world and it's uh, what it means is wonder world <laughs> it translates so well into English this word it sounds even better than the Hebrew and this is just a direct translation literally direct because word Pele means wonder and and you know if someone says I need a Pele like they're saying I'm in wonderment yeah Olam Pele which is wonder and Olam world yeah, Wonder World. Yes, ma'am. Hella is like Yeah. So that's the Olam Pele, whereas the people who live in decision mode, I keep my colors together. I'm not OCD or anything. I just like dealing with I meet people who got like extra helpings of OCD. I got under helpings. Like I need a little more like thinking about the, like details and stuff that I would just never think of. Yeah. What? I'm available for hire. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. By the way, there's no person that doesn't obsess about something. So no one should feel bad if they're a little OCD. I mean, I, everyone's, everyone's OCD. They, they, it's just that some people are OCD on a scale of 1 to 20. I'm like a 1.5. And there's people who are OCD, sorry, 1 to 30. And there's people who are OCD 20, 30 to 50. Those are the ones who suffer. And then there's people OCD 50 to 100. They need medication. <laughs> so they don't suffer. So they don't suffer. 
What is OCD? The people who, when you meet someone who really suffers OCD, those are the 30 to 50s. What does OCD stand for? Obsessive compulsive disorder. It's a disorder that people have. Yeah, you wouldn't know about it. So anyway, but mine is uh, mine is extremely low. But I do obsess. Like for example, my face. Ever since I'm a little kid, don't touch my face, man. And uh, no, I used to. I'd rather have my face burned off. When I was a little kid, I'd have my face burned off every summer. Terrible sunburns, peel off. Another terrible sunburn, peel off. And then I was good for the summer. I mean, then it was tan enough to deal with the sun. That's the summer. Then touch. Then let any sunscreen near my face. And my pillows near my face. Don't touch my pillow. I just had my nine-year-old jumping on my bed. I'm like, keep, <laughs> keep them dogs off my pillow, man. Don't touch your feet to my pillow. What does the C of OCD stand for? Compulsive. So that's doing things. Obsessive is thinking things, and compulsive is doing things that are, um, you know, you can't stop doing it. Like washing hands. There are people who are obsessed about washing hands. Okay, and the other olam is called the olam hateva. And that means the natural world. Natural world of cause and effect. And you'll notice this kind of stuff going on in your life all the time. Like, sometimes I'm riding into the old city, and it's literally like like Moses and the splitting of the sea through the Jordans and stuff. And you know, I have to ride in, and sometimes a little later, maybe I'm always a little late, and I'm and I'm, I'm moving in at a major pace, and and you just see, like, like I see the tour group way down there because I'm doing 35, 40 kilometers per hour. And I will see the, the tour group leader from way down there just say, okay, everyone, come with me. And they just, they're gone. And it just, it just keeps going like that. Where, like, God's, like, splitting the sea for me to get here on time. For, and then, of course, I walk through the door and there's someone waiting going, like, going, you know, like, like, do, do you know who Rabbi Glazer is? I'm like, I'm Rabbi Glazer. They're like, oh my gosh, I was about to leave. It's an emergency. And so you see, like, there was, someone was committed to something. And they had to leave, and they had to speak to me because of some other crisis. And, and, and so their commitment just started getting, I'm just noticing the sleeves splitting. I'm just on my way in. And then there will be other days where I come, and it's literally like, you know, like a tour group of 50 kids. And, the tour, and I'm coming down, and I see there's a group on the sidewalk. And I'll just see the tour guide go like, okay, come on, everybody. And I'm just like, and I'm like, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, for the next three minutes. He's stuck with a 50 bus, you know, birthright group in front of me, all of which are like spaced out beyond belief. Like, it's amazing. I have watched, by the way, I just want to mention instincts. I have watched people lose their instincts over the last period of time with the smartphone era. I've watched people lose their instincts, period. Now, obviously, someone with a headset, their instincts are cut in half. I'll have people with... By the way, there are still people with great instincts. I've noticed low-tech people, like we've had African groups here, or just African individuals who are, you know, Africans are known for having killer instincts. And they... And I will be just turning a corner in the old city on my bike. I'm at a high cliff, but turning a corner, I see way down there, Way down there is an African man. Most of our tourism is Africa. In, from you know, if you see someone who is, it was African. They're not African Americans here. They're actual African. And the 
And the, I'll just, every time, every time, the guy just goes like this. He feels me coming. And I'm like 100 yards away. feels me coming. Now, once upon a time, other people felt that coming. Felt that. And here's another amazing thing. Anyone who's scared to be in the old city has horrible instincts. Horrible. And you meet people who are scared to be in the old city. And their instincts are horrendous. They're horrendous, which is really crazy because if you're scared, you need your instincts. I think that's partially what scares us about fear, is that we're afraid we won't have the instincts because we're so darn afraid. And, and you know, in today's day, you know, you need good instincts when things are scary. But people really lose their instincts. So I can tell someone's scared to be in the old city because they'll see me coming more or less in their periphery. And when I start getting closer to, the, you know, some lady, she'll go like, she'll go like, ah. and it's like, I know you saw me. And, and I also slowed down amply for her because she doesn't know my control. So I don't want to scare people. But she's just got to do that anyway because, like, her instincts are so shy that she turned this into an emergency. Literally. They'll turn it into, men will do it too, more women, but they'll turn it into an emergency. I have this whole, like, class on the psychology of people dealing with oncoming mountain bikers in the old city of Jerusalem, which are pretty narrow streets. And the... Um, Anyway, but headsets, forget about it. Your instincts are history. Um, people looking down at their phone. <laughs> I've had to learn about them. They generally go which way their head's angled. So, so like, so like if, if they're kind of going like that, I'm going that way. If they're going like that, I'm going that way. But it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. It could be, I have to notice that where are their friends. And I have to determine, are these really their friends? Because if these people are really their friends... Even though he's leaning this way, he's probably going towards his friends. And I'm like playing this psycho thriller every single day. But the thing I've noticed since the advent of smartphones is that the instincts have been going down and down. How many people have you plowed? Have I plowed in my 28 years of doing this? It's been 25 years, actually. Um, Because I've been been clocked a couple times. By me? No. no. I've only plowed, probably. In all the years? Not more than 10, 15 years. <laughs> Every single day. <laughs> you know, that's not bad, bro. All these years. And no, and no one's been hurt. One guy was hurt. <laughs> one, one guy was hurt. No, but that was 100% his fault. <laughs> I've had a couple people wipe out a boarding week. It was a guy on a bike. He himself was on a bike. And, and he was zigzagging. He was zigzagging because he had bags on his handlebars that he wasn't able to handle. But there was no way for me to know that. And so he finally, he just zigzagged right into me. And, you know, I, I, sho- I saw, he didn't see, so I shouldered in. So it's not both of us going down because I would have gone down. So I just kind of shouldered in a little bit to make sure at least there was only one of us going down. That was him. <laughs> I stopped I apologize I've also I've knocked a million smartphones out of people's hands yeah. you know people were just like you know <laughs> and I'm judging this thing you know I'm just like bam <laughs> thing just goes like <laughs> smartphones just goes flying through the air and I stopped by the way he's the one who went like that but I stopped and hand them back their smartphones and it happened recently on Jaffa Street where I knocked this guy's smartphone about 20 yards and I came to him, he's like, he's like, he gets back on the phone, he's like, oh my gosh, 
Rabbi Glazer just knocked my smartphone out of my head. He was so excited that it was me that knocked his smartphone out of it. He had no idea. I mean, had, only when I came to him, he realized who knocked his smartphone out of it. I was, by the way, extremely happy that it was, you know, someone who knew who I was. Anyway, the natural world is, uh, you see all this on the camera, by the way? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so the natural world is the cause and effect world, and that's the world that you probably live in unless you're living in the miraculous. And the, here, why am I mentioning that? I'm not, I'm not cursing anybody, like... I bless you to live in the world of the wonder world. And I do not bless you to have to live in the natural world. But the reason I'm mentioning that most people probably are living in the natural world is because you, after enough years of it, start to believe that that it's normal. You understand? Like The majority of people I'm going to talk to are going to think that things work naturally. You know, if you come that late for a plane, you don't get on that plane. You know, you're not on the plane. But then there are the people who are just like, don't tell me the odds. And they just stay totally committed to getting on that flight, even though you know everything went wrong on the way to the airport. And, and they're just, there's just no way. The flight should be closed. And they, but with that kind of laser beam determination, where I'm so committed, I'm, I'm on the flight. And then you'll see that person on the flight, even if it takes the lady behind the counter to say, you know what, come with me. And you ever seen that? You ever seen in an airport someone like being ushered through? by a staff member who this is not their job, but they're just like, come around all these people, come around all these people. You still have to go through security. And you can thank Bin Laden for that. And uh, you're still going through security, but come around all these people and get your metal out of your pockets and let's go. You know, and, and they will get you on that flight. So they, so the, you will get the Siata Deshmaya, which is, again, the wonder world, uh, which is in Hebrew is called large... Siata. We'll put it like that. Large Siata. Dishmaya. Large Siata Dishmaya, which means that you will have, um, you know, you, you just don't tell me the odds because the, the stats don't matter to me. And you're just going to make it happen and you make it happen. And you know, there's videos online, a million videos online on like living in this kind of realm. But the but I want you to know that this is a Torah, a Torah thing, and I want to teach you how to do it. What is the source? For Olama, living in Olamapella. Oh gosh, um, it's in Tanakh. I, ca- I can't even remember where it was. It was, I was it's in Navi, um, where the uh, the Malbim goes into great detail on this subject of the two. I learned it inside, like twenty years ago. I can't remember where. I don't remember what Navi I was learning at the time. But I remember doing a whole, how uh, to say, eon in, in English? An in-depth study of it. In the, I think it was in the Malding. Now, the, um, anyways, we get used to this. But there's no reason to be used to this. Now, here's the question. Here's, oh, first, how do you do it? So how you do it is that... The word decide comes from the word, the root is side, and side means to eliminate. Okay, so like pesticide means eliminating pests, and homicide is eliminating people, and genocide is eliminating nation, and, and uh, suicide is eliminating oneself. Side means to eliminate. And so what does it mean to make a decision? Is you, you have options, let's say you have five options, and you, you add up the positives and the negatives of each of the options. We do this naturally as we're making decisions. And 
eventually, you know, you eliminate that one, you eliminate that, eliminate that one, until you get to the one that has the most reasons yes and the least reasons no, and you now make a decision. So what is that all based on, though? What was that all based on? That was based on what? What was it based on? Reasons. Everybody? Reasons. Reasons lead to decisions. So based on those reasons, you make your decision. Yeah, that's normal. You're, you can't make a decision without reasons. You're not going to make a decision without reasons. You know, what, where you'll eat dinner tonight will be a decision. And that decision will be based on reasons. And that's completely fine. That's okay. And all you single people, please God, are going to get married. And the reason you're going to say yes to that person, by the way, get married as quickly as possible. Every single person in this room, get married as quickly as possible. Like, get it done now. Okay, get married now. Say, I'm getting married this year. Everyone say, I'm getting married this year. I'm getting married this year. Okay. And now Shmuel over here. How old are you, Shmuel? Fifteen. Don't, don't say that. Don't say get married this year. But but what did I originally say? Everybody get married as soon as possible. You get married as soon as possible. And don't listen to these. Don't listen to these. These people. I'm already married. But what do I say? I've been married for thirty years. Thank God. You, you know, you remind me of a guy who got divorced and no one knew he got... He was a famous guy, but then he moved to California and got divorced. And no one... He didn't live in California, so no one knew he got divorced. So then he got engaged, but he got engaged to a famous person. So the whole world found out that this famous woman was marrying this guy. And everyone was like, he's going to be married to two women. Because <laughs> everyone was like, he's married. Everyone knows him. He's a married man. But that's that. People don't think about that when they run off to get divorced, just because like they're just gonna go hibernate and get divorced. They don't realize that everyone thinks they're married still. Why do you say get married as soon as possible? I don't know if you want the answer to that question. I'm interested. The, the question was why get married as soon as possible. Um, so there's a couple reasons, but I mean there's so many reasons. But one of them is you're doing an absolute no offense. You're doing a horrific job of being single. Okay. Doing a horrific job. Everyone who's single is doing a, just a horrible job of that, and and you must stop trying to do your life alone, which is a whole subject in itself. But they, but it, it's not okay. And so then you'd say, well, have a boyfriend, have a girlfriend, or move in with somebody. Wrong, wrong. You don't move in with somebody, or you don't get a boyfriend or a girlfriend because that is an insult. Anyone who would date you should be slapped. Because if they're willing to date you without a commitment of marriage, that means that that they are they're just like, as long as I can see the exit sign, I'll hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. You go to the restaurant with a guy and he, he keeps positioning himself to see the exit sign on the restaurant, you know. Just gotta keep my eye on the exit. You know, anyone who who's willing to date you should be slapped, period. Okay? And when you're ready to get married and then you date, anyone willing to date you is a serious contender. That's someone who's worth dating. Whereas if you're not willing to get married, and you're not ready to get married, which means... And by the way, how do you get ready to get married? How do you get ready to get married? It's very simple. It's very simple. You make a deadline. How do you get ready for finals? A deadline. How do you get essays done in university? You have a deadline. How do you get packed for a trip? You have a deadline. Now, if you're like most human beings, you wait till the last minute. 
but with a real deadline, you're done. You're done. So, well, you may say, like, well, how do you make a deadline for getting married? And the answer is that you make an, you write a resume, you put it in an envelope, and you have a deadline when you're going to hand it to the matchmakers, to people who make matches. Now, some of you are like, oh, I want some random person making a match for me. Okay, fine. Stay single. <laughs> Stay single, because they're good at that. I don't think you would do anything without the people who are good at it, especially if anything worth worthwhile. There are certain people with a gene for networking. You need that gene to make matches. And everyone always comes up to us, Aish rabbis, and the Orsamaic rabbis, and the Minot rabbis, and they're like, oh, he's so insightful. Surely he'll know who I'm supposed to marry. But you go ask all those people how many shit of them they made. Yeah? And they, no, let me teach you a little Spanish. Nada. Yeah? And that's not even the right word. How, how do you say none? Nunca. Let me teach you a little Spanish. Everyone say the word nunca. Nunca means none. Yeah, because, because the people with that specific gene to know who goes with who, they're generally emotional basket cases, by the way, unless they've done serious work on themselves. They're, they're interesting people. Not the kind of people you want to spend more than a half hour with, just handing them your resume and get, giving them somewhat of a sense of you, and then get out of there and let them get to work. But you have a deadline. If you know you're handing your resume, your marriage, what date, you know, your marriage resume to somebody on this and this date, I promise you you'll be ready by that date. Just like you're ready for everything once you have a date. But the nebulous, like, oh, I'll get married someday. 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 <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. And, and you want to know something? I'll go one last reason, then we're going back to this. One last reason is is by the time, no offense, I don't even know who you are, but like this could make this about someone else, but by the time you get your act together and finally decided you were ready for this, you're going to turn around to the dating pool and you're going to see a used car lot as far as the eye can see, okay? <laughs> it's a rental used car lot, yeah? It's, it's called rent-a-wreck, yeah? And it's, <laughs> it's as far as the eye can see because it's the people in your pool, which people are in your pool? The same people in your pool are the same idiots who thought they should stay single for several years. And so, and so, welcome to your dating pool. Good luck. Have a nice marriage. You know, bring boxing gloves. <laughs> you know, you need a mouthpiece for this marriage. So, so the, and you, the whole point of marriage is having a safe place to put your heart. But how are you supposed to have a heart to put safely? If it's been if it's been egg sliced from every direction in every stupid relationship that you gave your heart to without the commitment, meaning all those relationships that had exit signs, there's no exit for marriage. I mean, there is, but it's hell. You know, if you if you if you want to have an intimate relationship with someone, you have to have hell to pay. Otherwise, you'll always hold back. And it, and this is one of the saddest things, and this falls more on girls than boys. Is, is people are so lonely that they'll pretend someone's holding their heart. Meaning they'll, they'll fool themselves into thinking they're letting someone hold their heart. But they don't realize that they're unconsciously withholding most of the weight of their heart. They're kind of pulling it off because they don't want to get dumb. They don't want to be a liability. They're like, they're like unconsciously making themselves as low maintenance. As, that they're holding their heart should be as low maintenance. 
But then it's, all of this is just an indication of how hurt and lonely that I'll even pretend someone's holding my heart for a month, for a six months, for a year, for two years, three years. And this is why you'll notice how many people get divorced. You know what? I'm not even going to say that. You'll notice that people after they get married realize what a weight their spouse is. <laughs> they didn't realize how heavy it is. And that why? Because she finally like let the weight drop. And now he's like, oh my gosh, this isn't who I married. And, and the answer is, you're right. I mean, she wasn't really letting you hold her heart because she was trying to keep herself from getting dumped all that time. Now, do you think I could keep going on this? You think I got about 20 more levels of why I get married as soon as possible? Yes. Yes, I do. I'm not going to keep going on this. I could just do the whole class on this. and go, We would just go detail after detail after detail after detail. It's a whole long outline of why I get married as soon as possible. And when I say that, obviously I'm saying get ready. But the only thing that will get you ready is the deadline. So just make a deadline and say I'm getting married by... I'm getting, meaning I'm, I'm starting serious dating for marriage from this point on. And just one more little piece of advice is do not let him touch you. Again, anyone who's dating you should be slapped. Don't let him touch you. He may not touch you. Do not let him touch you. If he wants to touch you, slap him. Give him a cold shower. They don't get the goods. They don't get the goods until they put an insurance policy on your ring finger. This was a secret that women knew for thousands of years. But in the whole women's liberation and feminism that, that killed females today, they, 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 they were like, the, those women from the 1950s till late 60s were like, we want to be like the men, we want to be like the men, we want to be like the men, these originators of this. We want to be like the men, except for one thing. The men get to be slime balls. And we have to be good girls. And then came along the late 1960s, the sexual revolution. And at which point the women just said, that whole, we want to be like the men, we want to be like the men, we want to be like the men. They took their last card in the poker game and they just put it on the table. And ever since that day, men rent. Why buy when you can No man even bothered with liability again after that. Until he turned around at 36 years old in midtown Manhattan and realized he forgot to get married to see a used car lot as far as the eye can see. Now I know this sounds rough, but somebody's got to say this stuff. Because I meet people all the time. All the time I'm meeting people who are just postponing these things. My daughter's getting married on uh, on Monday, thank God, and um, and my brother-in-law said that his 15-year-old daughter was thinking about it. And you know, my wife's brother, his 15-year-old daughter was thinking about it. He said the way the the way the glazers work, it's likely that the glazers that my my cousins' children will get married before me, because if I get married around the age my parents got married, because they no, they're not observant. And they got married in their 30s, in their 30s. So by the time she would be in her mid-30s, my grandkids, because I already have like a five-year-old grandkid, well, that kid will be 
you know, she'll be a, where the Hasidic population gets married. So she said, my, my cousin's kids will probably get married before me. And that wasn't her complaining, by the way. She wasn't saying, wow, I better get married. That was her just stating a fact that everyone seems to take for granted, at least in the secular society. And, and you should know, all of the world population until until the uh, last couple hundred years, but for thousands of years, every girl got married between 12 and 14, and every boy got married between 14 and 16. Now, there's not a man in this room who wouldn't have said that would have been a relief when they were 18 years old, to have his bread, as the, our sages call it, have his bread in the basket. Because it's, it's nearly torture to be anywhere between 18 and 22 years old, single as a male. Not to mention these days, it's dangerous. But what a, what a pleasure your life would have been had you already had your bread in the basket during those years. Now, again, I'm not advocating for men to be getting married between 14 and 16, nor am I advocating for girls to get married 12 to 14. What I would be advocating is that society gets back to its healthiness so that we could go back to those standards. That would be great. If, if society was healthy enough to go back to that, that would be wonderful. But, uh, but in the meantime, we're not there at all. Not at all, but at least a girl could potentially prepare herself uh, by the time she were, if she had the cutoff. She needs that deadline. Now, by the way, you might say, well, well, how does it work in Hasidic society? Where's the deadline? And the answer is your older sister. <laughs> See, if you're, if you're a nine-year-old girl, if you're a nine-year-old girl or a nine-year-old boy, and your oldest sibling gets engaged at 18, That's the bar. You're a different 16-year-old when you turn 16. If you're 18, when you were nine and your 18-year-old sibling got engaged and married at 18, you're a different 16-year-old when you're 16, right? You're, you're, you know, the time is ticking and you start maturing because there's a deadline and it causes you to grow in ways you'd never grow. And I've been watching this because my oldest daughter got engaged at that age, a little younger, she was 17. And I watched all my daughters like suddenly hit this growth track that grows them into marriage. But all the people, like any of you in the room who did not have siblings doing that, so you're on this totally other track. And I'm saying, create an artificial deadline and get tracked so that you get so that you don't deal with any more nonsense. So you can put your heart where it belongs, and that's in the in the committed hands of, of somebody who has no reasons. Now we take reasons, reasons lead to decisions. Once you make a decision, if it's something important, you move it to commitment. If it's not that important, you don't have to commit. Not that important. It doesn't require a commitment. Meaning, meaning, if you were expecting to eat a milk meal for dinner, and you find out the milk restaurant's closed, and next door is a meat restaurant, that's fine to go to the meat restaurant. That's cool, right? Because that's not important. The things that are important, unfortunately, so many of us live in decision mode. I'll give you an example. My father calls. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Dad. Yeah, it's really bad timing. 
I can't speak now. Yeah, I'm, I know I said that last time. But I, for some reason, you always call it the wrong time. Okay, I gotta go. Bye-bye. What am I in, decision mode or commitment mode? Which one? A decision or commitment? Now, that's a bit of a tough question I'm asking you because I didn't give the reasons. But have you ever noticed that your parents will offer unsolicited advice every time you speak to them? And tell me, does that make you feel like an adult or a nine-year-old? Nine-year-old. Now, how long do you spend on the phone Make someone makes you feel like you're nine years old? Not so long. As short as possible. As short as possible because that's a reason. Meaning someone who makes me feel like nine years old is reason enough for me to always tell them that they called at the wrong time. And then to get off the phone with them as quickly as possible. Now, am I committed? Am I decision? Do I live in the decision world or the commitment world with my father based on that phone call? I live in the decision mode because you see that I let reason stop me. I'm reason able. Like, let's, let's, you know how computers you can enable things? You know, you click it to enable this, enable messages, enable, you know, uh, uh, what do they call that? Uh, notifications and stuff. You enable? So it's called reason able. Yeah, have you enabled reasons? Are you reason enabled? Like, for example, I'm committed to my health. I'm committed to my health. There are no reasons that unhealthy lifestyles come in my way. There's nothing that could convince me. I mean, yeah, you, no matter what it is, I'm committed. And I'm committed to my father. And when he calls me, I share my life with him. I didn't used to, but now I do. Because I didn't realize I lived in decision. We don't realize we live in decision mode about everything. There's nothing to rely on with you. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. There's nothing solid there. When people hire you, we're not sure what they're hiring exactly. Because all it takes is reasons and you're out. It's not fun to be married to a reasonable person. My wife, you know, women get hysterical and they get, sometimes they get insecure. The best way to deal with insecurity is look for something solid. That solid thing would hopefully be their man. How do you know if he's a man? Attack him. See how he reacts. <laughs> it's a simple, tried and true way. All women do it. Attack him and see how well he does. Now, if he fights and flights like some kind of iguana from Mexico, yeah? So how do you do? If he, if, if he fights back and gets all defensive, did he do well proving he's a man? No. no. He's an iguana. Because the reason I mention iguana is because it's the reptilian brain that's fight and flight. It's the hypothalamus. That bride is calling you. So you're married to a reptile. Great. And if he flights, if he runs away, married to a man? Not married to a man. Is he committed or reasonable? <laughs> You're all looking like, huh? Is he committed to this relationship or is he living in the... Re Does he let reason stop him from being a solid citizen for a woman who needs him right now to be strong? Is he, is he letting reason stop him no. from being there for him? Yes, he is, big time. Because, because I mean, first of all, the guy's a little dense. Because how many years do you have to marry, be married to someone until you finally realize that she only attacks when she's feeling insecure? How long, how long you got? How long does it take to figure that out? The answer is about fifty years. <laughs> <laughs>
for most men, that takes them about 50 years to realize that they only attack when they're insecure. But I mean, duh, like figure it out, man. Like, don't listen to what she's saying, but maybe get in touch with her that she's feeling a little insecure right now and could use a, uh, you to just be there while she attacks. And just, and, and by the way, just for the men listening to this, when she attacks, make sure you do not listen. <laughs> because, if, because if you can be the man for that whole, you know, tirade, if you can stand there and just be the man for that, well, it might be 10 minutes, it might be 20 minutes, it might be a half hour, depending who you're married, it could be an hour. <laughs> if she's uh, Moroccan, you know, just settle down with a, you know, popcorn and a Coke. <laughs> you know, if she's, if she's uh, oh, if she's Hungarian, <laughs> it may not be so long, but it's going to be like salt on a wound, man. She's going for it. You know, she's going to get you. And the, and the, uh, your job is to be a man for it, but it's so important you don't listen. And the reason why it's important you don't listen, because some of you ladies are like, gee, that's sensitive. <laughs> you can't listen because the second you show her you're a man, she is going to want you now but you will not be able to be there with her because you'll be so wounded having listened. You're just going to, you're, all you're going to be thinking is sports bar. Sports bar. Just get me the hell out of here. And if you're a cannabis user, forget about it. You're going to be high within a half hour. <laughs> and, you know, with some buddy, you know, talking about your wife being abusive. You know, like... Your abusive wife on cannabis with some friend, yeah. And so you understand that 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 respect brings attraction. With respect brings attraction. If you show your a man when she's feeling insecure, the respect factor just goes way up, which means what's going up? The attraction factor is going way up. And and you you, you just got to get your act together to be able to be there. When the woman's feeling insecure, just be there. Yeah, Yosef. What does it mean to be there? Be, just shut up. <laughs> shut up, breathe, and what we say in yoga, inner smile. And just say, yeah. Okay. It's not going to be Can you tell him smiling? Yes, I'm inside. She gets used to that pose, by the way. <laughs> the, um, I'm not going to go on with that right now. But what I would like you all to realize is that you've been living in decision in the world of decision all these years, and that's why you live in Olamateva, in the natural world is because you've been living in decision mode all this time. In other words, Olam of Pelet means that you're literally with the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. You're with God. You're with this, like, beyond nature power source that's orchestrating your life. I mean, have you not noticed someone's orchestrating the world? Like, have you not noticed your life is being orchestrated all the time? It's bizarre. Like, right now, I'm being orchestrated for you, which is fun for me, because, like, I know... Like, remember I was talking earlier about being orchestrated, like... All the crowds were like being orchestrated for some person waiting for me at the gate of this building. You know, like, and, and I felt it. Like, I felt that feeling. 
It's an amazing feeling when you're getting orchestrated around others, which is why this is my favorite hour of the day. It's because I'm getting orchestrated around you. And yet, I think I have free will, and I think you have free will, but meanwhile, you're going to be out, one of the people out there walking, being orchestrated around others, with all your free will. So it's, the, it's one of the bizarre mysteries of God. But when you lock into Olamapela, you're no longer living in the world of Elohim, because the Olamateva, the word Hateva, is, uh, I'll show you this real quick. Is it after four, by the way? Yes. Oh, gosh. Are you on, Rabbi? What are you teaching today? Bad things to good people. Oh, why bad things happen to good people. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll just show you real quick. The word hateva is spelled like that. I don't know what letters I'm using. Okay. So that's uh, that equals 5 plus 9 plus 2 plus 70 is... Um, is 14, 16, uh, 70 is uh, 86, which is the same numerical value as the word for God, which is 40, 50, 55, 85, 86. Um, it's the same numerical value. And the world, word for how God shows up in nature, this is the name of God in nature. That's why it's plural, because Nature's Yud Mem at the end, Elohim, because nature's made of obviously a lot of stuff. And so God inherent, God in, inside the world is called Elohim. God outside the world is called Yud and He and Vav and He. That's God was, is, and will be beyond space and time. That's the Olam Pele. And the Olam Pele comes available to people who live in commitment mode. People who are committed. Meaning they're just they're just in, you know, they're just like I'm in. Everyone say I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. When you say I'm in, I mean I'm on that flight, or I'm I'm in, I'm at that class, or I'm I'm you know, I'm doing this, or I'm com- I'm going for this job, or I'm getting married. And I'm committed in my marriage. When you say I'm in, so you start getting LSD, you start getting large siata deshmaya which means divine assistance, keepings of divine assistance. You live in Olamapela in the wonder world. You're with the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, which is outside space and time. So he can like reorchestrate and reorchestrate and reorchestrate and like totally flip things upside down for you, as he will do that all the time. This is available for every person. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be, you don't have to be, you know, super holy or... You don't have to pray extra good. All you got to do <coughs> is commit. Be someone who's unreasonable. Be someone who doesn't let reason stop him or her. Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.